Welcome to Verbal Art, a podcast where we talk about artsy stuff in different locations. Hi, and welcome to Verbal Art with me, Senja Ram. Uh, today is a bonus episode or extra material of sorts. So um, I'm not going to be having any guests on today's episode, um, but rather I'm going to... Uh, be talking to myself or to you about all the previous guests that we've had on this podcast. Um, as I announced in my New Year's greetings, I would take a little bit of uh, work hiatus over the Christmas holiday, and so I wouldn't have new episodes to post here during January. Um, so instead, uh, the plan was to to go through the backlog um all the previous episodes and which is quite an archive uh, by now um i've done 45 episodes uh recorded since march 2022 and released um since march 23 uh so basically it's all of last year that i'm gonna now talk through um and it's a bit of uh, reminiscing, reflecting, uh, adding extra bits here and there, uh, but also just a way to kind of like uh, curate the presentation of the archive to you in case you has you haven't listened to all the episodes. So, um, yeah, maybe uh, maybe this run through will help spike your interest in something that you otherwise wouldn't have found. Uh, I have to say first, I was going to do this earlier in January and technically I did do it earlier in January. I I already recorded this um, in two sessions uh, and it ended up being super long and it was going to be this whole like two times two part episodes uh, and I had made this intricate division of episodes and presented them as like either a topical thematic uh, grouping or uh, from a more technical uh, lens and looking at like the different media or field of artwork and yeah I don't know I thought about it for weeks and I was sure this was the way I was going to do it and I did it and then I just didn't edit it and I didn't publish it which was confusing to me because the the content was there and it was ready to be edited and published Um and, but somehow it felt wrong. I don't know. It First of all, it got way longer and more messy than I thought it would. Um, which, I don't know. It Maybe in, in my brain it felt more organized. And then when I say it, said it out loud, it actually wasn't as good a system as I had thought it was. Um, but also, yeah, it's it's weird to me because usually I don't... Well, I do make mistakes, but when I know that something feels right, I, I, I really trust my gut and usually it is right for me. Um, so it's very rare that I redo my work in this way or like uh, have doubts and hesitation about something after making the decision. My whole life, I've always been very good at making decisions and feeling good about them. And so I think when I consider something for long enough, then at some point I, I know in my 
mind and in my gut when I have reached the verdict of, of something. And so I really felt like I had done the brain work with this and I had done the preparation, like categorized everything, wrote written lists and but then after I recorded it, I don't know, I started feeling like it wasn't the best way anyway. So as a strange occurrence, I'm now trying gonna try and like redo my work uh, <laughs> and see if I can make a better a better version of this uh reflection and recommendation uh look back through the backlog um and not divide it into a topical technical categories and groupings but rather just take a chronologic uh look episode by episode and then like defining each episode uh based on technical interests or thematic interests or yeah and and then adding bits of like personal tidbits and and uh extra info or reflection corrections uh things that i have later thought about that i forgot to say or things that i later realized i had said and wish i wouldn't have or just uh funny little moments that maybe didn't make it into the episode that was off of recording um, to also make it relevant for those of you who actually did listen th through all of the episodes so I, I hope that you can still enjoy this way of me looking back at it and talking about it mm. I'm probably still gonna do it in multiple sittings because I realized that when I'm talking on my own especially when trying to rush through these lists and make them without making it too long I found that I was like speaking faster and faster uh, and so in the end of the last time I tried to do this it actually felt a bit rushed um, which is definitely not the best product so I'm gonna take it easy and it will probably be a two or three part bonus uh, content episode this one I'm in my studio in Helsinki. I'm back from my Christmas and New Year's holiday in Copenhagen. Um, at first I thought I didn't do the editing work uh, this week after having recorded the episodes the first time because I was like lazy. I've been feeling a bit like January lazy. So I thought maybe it was just that I was just procrastinating. Um, but I realize now I, I think the product was not good enough. But it is quite dark January. We have had this like ongoing on and off blizzard for multiple days. So it has just been like most of this week has been almost a constant snowstorm. Um, so yeah, you know, this time of year, uh, I really do feel a bit jealous towards people who live in normal homes uh, because when you have to walk across the street a hundred meters down in order to access a shower in your school building and it's minus 18 degrees celsius outside and like snowstormy winds and you know if you wash your hair you have to dry it again before walking back outside and yeah it just becomes this whole 
whole other uh, journey to make. So I've spent a lot of time inside in the last two weeks, uh, cleaning, chilling, playing a lot of Sudoku online. I've been awake in the night and sleeping in the day most of the time because it's anyway super dark all the time. Uh, I'm not gonna start describing my studio because there's already a very long two-part episode about that. Uh, but um, yeah, maybe I will just highlight one item from here which is like has a big uh, role in my life right now. And it's my um, diffuser or humidifier, which I bought on sale in Lidl. And it's amazing. I bought it partly because it's so dry in the site in Finland in the winters um, that I really needed a humidifier before I got this and slept with it all the time. Then I would always get like nosebleeds in the winter and stuff because the air is so dry. Um, and you know, when you go between freezing and then hot radiator heat, but I also bought this humidifier because it was on sale and it said outside on the package that it had like with calming 3D firework light effects. And I thought, whoa, that's a lot in one package. Um, and I, I don't even really know how to describe that, but it's quite amazing. It scrolls through these like different LED combinations of lights. So it goes through like all these magical blue, turquoise, green, purple, but like the transition between the different colors matches is quite something. And uh, <clears throat> well, it's this kind of silver glass bulb shape. So it looks like something like something in between a, a, a kitschy light fixture from like a rave or a party or then something very magical like a wizard would have because then the smoke this steam is coming up anyway um i'm doing a lot of this like uh, essential oil uh diffusion like aromatherapy uh, nice smellings um which i'm not actually sure it's super healthy to breathe all these essential oils like for so many hours every day but it smells hella good in here. Um, so yeah, I have this nice little glass jar full of essential oils. And well, I think right now I'm doing a mix of uh, peppermint and vanilla and uh, bergamot and sweet orange, which is currently some of my favorite smells, but mm. yeah, so that's a winter highlight in the darkness. Um, oh yeah, and thank you to those who listened to my New Year's plea and actually um, shouted out this podcast somewhere. I don't know what you did. Someone posted it on their social media or told their mom about it or uh, I don't really know. But something happened to my listening numbers in January uh, for a few days. So someone definitely gave me a shout out in some way and for a few days we gained a lot of new listeners uh, so welcome to you especially in USA it seems like my listening base is spreading a bit um, so yeah it shows that it actually does make a difference if people help me uh, spread the the knowledge of this po podcast 
the fact is now all the content exists and so I would love for more people to to get access to it or to know that it exists so that it can be heard by more people um, so yeah thank you it means the world to me um, and welcome to all the new listeners I hope this uh, this breakdown of of the past archive can help you maybe dig into it the thing about this podcast is it's episodical which means um, you don't need to listen to it in a chronologic order you don't need to listen to all the episodes um, you can pick and choose however you want um, I do interview a lot of up-and-coming artists and um, well basically I interview people here in Helsinki and then sometimes in Copenhagen uh, so it's international but only from people who live here or happen to be here anyway um, and so if you live here as well you might know a lot of the names if you don't live here maybe you know none of my guests but I still believe that you can get a lot out of the conversations um, so maybe you scroll through the backlog and check out the titles which I try to make out catchy in and informative titles about things but if you really want to uh, grasp what an episode is about you should go and, and read the short little info text about it and even then that is like still super limited um, so I hope that by doing this like a verbalized thing instead then maybe I can like yeah curate my my selection or my archive in a in a broader way and maybe it's just more interesting for you to listen to me talk about it than to scroll through all these pages and look in any case uh, we're gonna start chronologically and see how far we make it um, so episode number one with the German photo artist Cosmo Grossbach and the episode is called analog photography um, this was the very first episode I still didn't know how long they were gonna be or not so it's also one of the shortest episodes um, we are in video uh, dark room or color lab I guess it's called in Helsinki um, and Cosmo explains how a color lab or color dark room is quite different from a black and white dark room so um, like a dark room as you know it it classically has like the red light and stuff so in a color dark room you cannot have any light not even the red so Cosmo explains how he works in complete black blind darkness and so he has to really know where everything is and know his work procedure super well and one fun thing that I I think I forgot to ask about it even though I um, so I think Cosmo had told me about this and then I think we forgot to mention it in the podcast um, is that not only is it completely pitch black when he's working in there uh, but he also has to wear a gas mask because um, the fumes are really toxic so the the sound of the space is not only like just the work sounds it's also his breathing inside this gas mask uh, so imagine that to work in like blind darkness with a gas mask on and all you can hear is like your own post-apocalyptic breath 
and you have to trust that what you are doing is right and you don't forget anything in any case i think that really adds something uh to the mental image of his workflow um and yeah cosmo talks to us about like uh, walking around in the nature and uh f- taking photographs with this large format camera which are these really old ones that you put your head under like a black uh, little curtain and uh the picture is upside down when you look at it inside and uh so old school and he has a camera that he's showing us and we talk a bit about that and we talk about like working analog and um how it is with this like si- slightly unpractical uh tool when you don't do it like in the nature or or like on the road and Cosmo talk a bit about traveling and we look at some photos that he took around this small island in Norway and we talk a bit about like having expectations to like the landscape you're stepping into and how romantic it will be or like how it will look and then finding out that in reality maybe it's not actually like that maybe it's not so wild or maybe it's not so pristine um and then what the pictures actually look like or or what you find in an encounter that you end up photographing um we also realized that looking at something on a picture uh if you don't know what it is or if you don't know the scale of it in reality then uh, you can really look at it with different eyes and so it can be quite a a trick to know what it actually is you're looking at uh, depending on how the photo is cropped and presented um and then we have episode number two i mean episode one it's maybe a little bit funny and stiff and stuff because it was my very first and i didn't yet know how to record it so i recorded with like two recording methods and headphones and everything but in episode two i already had decided that that was not uh really working for me i needed more mobility and more natural uh relation with the with the guests in the space. So from episode two, I already made the decision to just record with a small handheld recorder. Uh, and in episode two, I am in Vapantadentila, uh, or in English, the free art space in Helsinki, um, which is this old uh, war bunker, like an underground bunker uh, that in Helsinki, there are a lot of those. Um, and so, because it hasn't really been war for many years, then uh, these underground spaces are temporarily in use uh, as other things. So for instance, like art venues or or artist studios or stuff. And so my student union or like the, the three creative universities of Helsinki, the shared student union has this one bunker that students can use. So there I met with Arvid van der Reit from Holland uh, and Juliana Irene Smith from the States. And they are a couple and they live here. Um, and we look at their exhibition. It was like their first uh, really collaborative thing. Um, they're both artists, but this was the first time they kind of built an installation uh, to combine their works 
in a very collaborative way. So it is separate works, but put together as one large um, installation collage, kind of. Um, the installation was called, or exhibition was called More Please, and the episode is called Multimedia Catharsis, because during the episode, um, Juliana tells about how this work and other works she does uh, in this series have been a way to try and like work through childhood trauma, um, generational trauma in her family. Um, and yeah, so emotional trauma relating to her home and and areas of life that should have been safe, but didn't feel like that. And so she used a lot of like family photos and high school photos and and then like found materials such as a lot of different textiles and um, then she painted and wrote a lot of words on them and sentences and things to kind of like shout out some of her emotions um, quite personal quite uh, heavy but a really beautiful way of um, throwing it up almost like and then throwing it up as all this like multimedia paint on a spatial canvas. Um, and so Arvid had at one point talked about it as being like her rainbow catharsis. Uh, and Arvid's uh, contribution to this uh, shared exhibition uh, was like a multimedia installation of uh, video and sound but um, presented in a very sculptural way uh, and also like combined with some of Juliana's works um, so Arvid has uh, manipulated and repurposed uh, music videos from his youth um, and so they are like the video is morphing and glitching and being mixed with uh, reactive video from cameras in the space so that the audience become part of some of these video installations um, and the sound is this big manipulated uh, collage of fragmented pop music from the 80s uh, in this big tunnel which has really like wow acoustics um, I am still thrilled that I haven't been copyright flagged or that the algorithms haven't found this episode yet somehow or that the music is like distorted enough that you that it's not that it doesn't pick up on it um, because we do take quite a nice walk through this exhibition uh, to hear the works properly um, and I really was hesitant to upload it. I seriously considered if I should cut out that part of the of the conversation, but it was just such a great way of bringing you, the listener, with us into this exhibition. So I decided to take my chances and upload it and then hope that I didn't get a like cease and desist uh, thing. And, and so far nothing has happened. So I think we're in the clear. Um, since this episode was recorded in... Uh, a war bunker and at the time of this recording it was uh, right when Russia had invaded Ukraine and it was on the cusp of uh, Finland deciding whether to join NATO or not and so since um, Finland borders to Russia uh, it was really 
on everyone's mind and we do discuss it a bit in this conversation uh, what it means to exhibit art in a in a venue built for war purpose when the war is feeling like it's right around the corner like uh, like just neighboring fear kind of or or potential threat just across the border um and well Arvid tells a bit about like um his family history of, of having Indonesian roots and Dutch colonialism um and Juliana tells about how she used to live in Gaza for a while uh, in Palestine which all things considered now I mean it's not so often that I use this podcast platform for like uh political messages as such unless they're like part of the conversation we're having but considering the Finnish and Western attitude towards the Russian invasion of Ukraine and then the uh, juxtaposed uh, position that now the Finnish government now is taken I mean I know it's a different government now but still it's basically all the governments in the West I'm it's just I'm baffled but also my heart is completely breaking and I don't know I think I haven't really done anything I haven't really said much anywhere um, and I have a lot of like personal confusion and shame about that maybe not like trying to do or say anything but honestly I think I think it's just very surreal to me. I feel a little bit like we're in this dark Kafkaesque uh, simulation of sorts where it's completely absurd what is happening and it's so well documented and then that like that all of the world leaders are just looking away and, and allowing it to happen and normalizing it. I just, I don't know, I'm lost for words really. But um yeah, I guess now was the right occasion to mention something about that since it really uh, is peculiar, or not peculiar, but it's really obvious um, the political difference f for countries like Finland and Denmark um, speaking out about Russia or Israel. It's very different superpowers for the West to oppose. Uh, so in any case, uh, we do get into a little bit of that in the end of this conversation, um, but not not as a really big discussion. Um, and then episode three with Natalia Seifert Eliasson, um, which is another uh, exhibition that felt like someone had swallowed a lot of art materials and then like uh, somehow thrown up and blasted them all over the gallery um, so Natalia is a Norwegian artist um, and this was a, a sculptural series that she made um, which uh, was 
part of her thesis work as a master's graduate student uh, in my school. And so this episode is called Participatory Breast Sculpture. Um, and it's from her sculptural work called Breastfall. Um, so basically she invited the audience or like the, the guests of the exhibition to sign up for breast casting sessions during the exhibition period. So the work was growing um, during the duration of the exhibition. Uh, she added more and more parts of the sculpture. And so people would come into this back room that she had built. Uh, I went through this session also to like have this uh, plaster casting session of their naked boobs. And so then Natalia created these like breast sculptures that you could then choose the colors uh, that she would paint them with. So they were all like, I think I chose like neon pink and then there was turquoise glitter on or something. So um, very kitschy, very colorful. And then in the end, all of these breasts were assembled into this waterfall sculpture structure that she had built in the gallery. So we also talk a bit about like working with unpractical elements in the gallery space, like moving water and things. Um, and of course we talk about like the vulnerability of, of using people as material and, and especially when like the exposed aspect of nudity and body image and, and these, uh, considerations are part of the of the theme and what does it mean to exhibit like nibbles in the gallery and and generally like uh, sexual expression which is what uh, Natalia's uh, thesis project was largely about like uh, demystifying sexuality um, let's see from body image and potential ingrown issues and uh, another form of catharsis uh, onto um, growing out of your masculinity with Vanity Salonen. Um, and this episode called Scooter Sculpture. So um, Vanity, there are a lot of thesis works in this podcast because I mean, these are the people that I was studying with. So with Vanity, I am uh, in Project Room Gallery in Helsinki, uh, which doesn't exist anymore. And we are looking at his solo exhibition, Timeless Racing, which was part of his thesis work, where he, uh, his whole thesis was working with his past love of motorcycles and, and scooters and like motorcycle culture and race culture. Um, so for this exhibition, ha Vanity had uh, deconstructed a motorcycle in the gallery space. And then he had a uh, built and all these, these like multimedia installations and sculptures. And so there is like found video footage from YouTube about motorcycles and racing and accidents and <clears throat> things like this. And then um, there is like some sound motorcycles and and like repurposing the helmet and mirrors and things and basically this was 
Vanity's way of like saying goodbye to his relationship with motorcycles in a weird way. So he tells about how he grew up in the countryside in Finland and like drove a moped since he was five years old, which to me sounds insane. I'm from the city center of Copenhagen. My mom didn't even like us to drive bikes in the city. But um, but I don't know. In Finland, it's I guess it's super normal that people drive scooters to go anywhere. And and so Vanity had this like affinity for motorcycles and scooters since he was a really small kid. And then he grew up and attended all these like motorcycle fairs and stuff, you know, in these um, halls where there are all these like corporate fairs and stuff. And so he would attend all these like racing fairs and motorcycle fairs and then he grew up even more and realized uh, that this was a weird masculine culture and that it wasn't so good for the environment with all this like fossil fuels and stuff and so he made a series of work um, kind of as a tribute to motorcycles and, and deconstructing them and trying to like it, it was his like farewell funeral exhibition somehow um, then episode five with Harina Reina, um, Finnish artist, also printmaking artist. Uh, I visit here her solo exhibition in Helsinki Art Museum or HAM for short. Her exhibition was called The Other as Matter and the episode is called Japanese Woodcut. Uh, HAM is one of the largest museums in Helsinki and they have this one gallery that is reserved for more up-and-coming exhibitions or up-and-coming artists to be able to have uh, fancy solo exhibitions in quite a large uh, space. And so Harina had made this very beautiful printmaking installation uh, with like covering all the walls in this super thin Japanese paper with like this minimalistic uh, duplicated prints. Um, the exhibition was called The Others Matter because it was about how we inadvertently collaborate with animals in our artwork quite often, whether we think about it or not, and whether whether we choose it or not. We use a lot of tools and materials that can be really hard to find um, with non-animal products in or um, traditionally they have only been made with animal materials and so um, the exhibition was kind of like reflecting on or, and Harina was reflecting on how all of these animals become involuntary art collaborators um, and so uh, she kind of looked at it through this lens of how she has spent time in Japan learning old uh, Japanese printing techniques and uh, getting to know about specialized like brushes and things and um, and all of this is first of all some of these uh, handicrafts are kind of dying out um, because the families that make something is like the lineage is ending or um, some materials become impossible or difficult to to still source but also the choice of using something that an animal might have given their life for um, somewhere in the chain of events 
So we talk about, yeah, agency and and reproduction and and this kind of like uh, the hidden layers of of the art production uh, chain. Um, then episode six with Sasha Pasha, uh, Sasha and Pavel Rotz, um, a German, no, I'm sorry, <laughs> a Russian couple, Russian artist couple who live here in Helsinki, who very often work together, uh, and who often work with like family and, uh, heritage and, and they're like, cultural history or family history and national history as themes and so um this episode is called memories and heritage and it was through um their exhibition fragile narratives in galleria huto here in helsinki um where they kind of uh mixed a lot of like uh, childhood memories and artifacts both from their own childhood but also from the childhood of like past relatives um, so Pavel has like family roots on each side of the uh, Karelian border like so Karelia is this area that is split between Finland and Russia and uh, there is quite a lot of like politic geopolitical controversy about this it's um, there's a lot of tainted geopolitical uh, history in Finland and a lot of like heaviness with civil war and things um and Karelia is kind of this area that is that has been a bit of like a shameful spot in the history between these two countries and within Finland and and there was a bit of cultural genocide happening in the Karelian uh er region when they drew a line uh through it and people were forced to move to one side of the other and like lose their language and their culture and families were split it and I don't fully grasp this history part of being an expat I guess is that you try to navigate the culture that you have moved to um, but it's really hard especially with these very tainted memories uh, that a nation might have in their culture but they don't like to talk about them much or so you don't want to burn your fingers when talking when talking about it or trying to understand it uh, but it's also such a, an ingrown part of of like the shadows of of a people so some of these episodes are definitely also just my attempt at like unpacking uh, what is going on in the world around me and and part of my life here in Finland is trying to like navigate a lot of things that I don't fully understand but Pavel actually has family history in the Karelian region on like each side of the border um, and has like so f fami familial um, traumatic experiences or if you can say like that like inherited uh, heritage uh, about ex exactly this region and these things um so this whole exhibition was uh, a lot about that, like remembering the past. And so Pavel and Sasha had reproduced uh, like artifacts, um, like uh, antique artifacts 
that they had inherited or or things that they made as children like artworks that Sasha had made as a child they now reproduced and used um, in the exhibition and they had these big piles of dirt of like soil and they were talking about like these traditions of sugar soil and then like these old games of hiding trinkets in the soil and yeah I can't remember fully all of these episodes I haven't listened back to all of them for this um, reflection session so I am at the top of my head thinking back as much as I can Um, but yeah and also this episode was recorded right in the time when well all of these that I now mentioned um, this was the time when Russia had just invaded Ukraine and we didn't know yet what was going to happen in Finland and there was really like war in the air and so of course for Sasha Pasha for Sasha and Pavel being Russian here in Helsinki at that time um, was quite something and so we also talk about like uh, curating yourself to fit with like the current narrative and how they had like reconsidered the exhibition and reevaluated how to present their works and like themselves as Russian artists and we talk a bit about like some anti-Putin, anti-war initiatives that they were part of um, uh, with like short film animations against war and t-shirts against Putin, against the war. Um, But we also just talk about this like nationality and, and what that means in when it becomes like a political statement who you are and where you are and what you do and uh, the feeling of like responsibility that you can have uh, even if it's weirdly uh, removed from yourself um that i yeah that they chose to be here in finland and be quite vocal about their position in any case like now we know that nothing happened in finland with the war and things but but at this time it was really everyone was a little bit on edge okay i'll check the time (laughs) anyway from heaviness to something a little bit lighter um so then Episode 7 with uh, Tanya Silvestrini and their girlfriend Victoria Löwheim. Uh, Norwegian artists, both of them, and a couple living here. Um, so I study with Tanya and Victoria moved with Tanya to Finland when Tanya came here to study. Um, they are both performance artists, queer activists, um, and... Uh, yeah, now in retrospect, I'm a bit sad that I didn't involve Victoria more in the conversation. But initially, I was only supposed to interview Tanya, and but then I came to their home to visit, and then Victoria was home, and so Victoria became this like cameo guest of the episode. Um, so I, I think I definitely focused the conversation on Tanya, which now I realize it would have been 
more interesting to actually also dig deeper into Victoria's um, art. But again, this is a learning curve for me. Like the whole podcast is also me um, learning how to to talk to people basically and, and learning how to use this platform and um, I don't know, practicing my social skills. Uh, so we talk about performance and public space, like the episode is called. Tanya tells about um, some of their different performance uh, projects. Uh, and so now it has been commenced, but at this time they didn't do it yet. Um, but their thesis project was that they dressed up as different pets, like a rabbit and a rat and a hamster or guinea pig, you know, these kinds of uh, pets that you can have in an apartment. So Tanya, they make their own costumes, uh, hand-sewn animal costumes in full size. And so this uh, thesis project they made last year was that they, they borrowed themselves out uh, as pets that um, or the audience or strangers could sign up for like adopting a pet for 24 hours and so we talk about that in this uh, conversation what that means to like perform non-verbally and to stay in character for such a long time and to perform in other people's homes and in this like enduring way and in in this setting where you give up a lot of control for a long time. Uh, then we talk about how Tanya at one point had a lot of their costumes stolen and what that means to have your artwork stolen um, and how to handle that. And Victoria tells us a bit about like uh, being a female drag queen and what that means. Uh, and I wish we would have talked more about that, but maybe on a later occasion I can pick up this conversation again. Um, Tanya tells about this performance where they were gonna uh, let people spank them in a gallery, in a sauna exhibition, or in, the, in an exhibition about saunas. Saunas is a really big part of the Finnish culture. Uh, and they were gonna be naked in the gallery and have people spank them with these birch branches. I think, as far as I remember, um, and like write poems about the spanking or like rate the spanking while it was happening. So I think when we're talking here, it was still an upcoming performance. And we talk about uh, whether this is like sexualizing um, something like saunas, a concept which in this culture that we're in is a very asexual thing. So it might be that in some cultures that saunas are like a, a meeting place for sexual encounters or I don't know, uh, that the nudity is is prevalent in this way. But in Finland, being nude and exposed in the sauna is much more like an emotional, cultural, free space. Um, like a lot more small talk happens in the sauna. Uh, than it does when people are dressed somehow when everyone is vulnerable it's easier to open up to strangers or then at least it's a safe space and it's allowed so yeah saunas are really not a sexual uh, place in Finland for most of the time 
And so we talk a bit about this being a foreigner coming here and then do making this like possibly sexual performance in the context of saunas and, and what that means and questioning these uh, cultural uh, perceptions of places or things. And then we talk generally about like public space, how we perceive ourselves in public space and Tanya tell about like performing in public space in animal character and we talk about like Finnish public space um, in contrast to other public spaces in other places um, and this whole like yeah how we move in the public space how we take place in the outside world uh, where we like if you have a purpose or not, and if that affects how you place yourself. Uh, and oh yeah, here maybe a, a shout out to another friend of mine who has a dedicated perform performance podcast. Um, so Matt Cade, who is an well, they are a multi-artist, I guess. They're a musician and um, somatic uh, philosopher, I would maybe call it, and like a performance artist and queer uh, and like sex, sexual positive, uh, talking a lot about uh, sex work and, and uh, how the body is like... A, an important tool for study and and research um, and so they have a podcast uh, series called sweat um, spelled with like s dot v dot so like with that it's capital letters with dots in between I will throw a link in the show notes um, and it's I think it's an an uh, a, a shortening for like sex work and I can't remember everything but it's about like sex uh, and performance or sex work and performance and and so they interview a lot of different performance artists who somehow like uh, identify as queer or something with their sexuality and how that reflects in their performance and, and people who have thought about their presence in the world and their identity and their physical presence in these different ways. Um, so yeah, I will drop a link to that. Matt Kate is a really talented uh, performer and uh, producer of like uh, techno music and, and electronic stuff in general. Uh, not techno music as classical techno, but like banging electronic performance concerts. I will say it like that. Um, anyway, yes, that was a little plug. Um, okay, it has been almost an hour. So I think that I will uh, wrap it up with the last one in this session which is um, my first attempt at interviewing myself episode 8 me, myself and our podcast um, which 
at this point when I when I recorded this I wasn't sure that the podcast was gonna go on for so long I mean I had no actual ambitions of doing this many episodes um, but I I was still figuring things out and I quite liked it so um, these are some early thoughts about the format and method and I talk a bit about like using conversation as a tool and a medium um, so like how talking or conversation can be a material but it can be like the tool that you shape the material with and then it can also be just like the platform in itself so I think that is evident from a lot of these conversations that I present to you that the conversation I have with people become a work of art in itself almost like it's not necessarily about the work we talk about it's also just about talking to someone about what we do and then the way we talk about it with each other can be really illuminating um, also for us ourselves um, and I definitely have tweaked the format uh, ongoing since the beginning but not that much um, and so yeah this episode is a little bit funny because I made this attempt of interviewing myself and it was quite difficult because none of my interviews are scripted or prepared very well they're very improvised and so this the guest kind of adds the element of surprise something that I can bounce off of so it becomes like a ping pong thing but it's really hard to surprise yourself um, so, <laughs> so it's like and, and when there's no one to help keep you on track it's also easier to get a bit like uh, lost in your own thoughts while you're talking but it was it was fun I like the performative aspects uh, I have done it again later I still have not mastered this method but um, maybe it's never too late uh, and uh, well in this episode I I hadn't yet started like editing the episodes I think because I was recording for so long before I started publishing anything uh, so I think in this one I'm talking about how I imagine that I'm going to edit the podcast but without actually doing it and so I thought maybe it would be nice now to to actually tell you how I ended up doing that because the whole thing about why I initially did this um, reflections uh, in two different sessions uh, was that I thought to myself well I probably have largely two groups of listeners um, people who like the thematic or topical conversations about something like the more philosophical aspect of, of working as an artist or people who like that um, we give technical tips and tricks and like uh, break down terms uh, and words and methods um, either maybe you are an artist and you just want to practice your art lingo in English and so it's nice that we try to translate things maybe you're not an artist and you are kind of sad that you never applied to art school and so you quite like this uh, studio visit format and, and these conversations which largely are quite similar to conversations that we have had in the art academy um, 
this way of talking about things. Of course, most of us learned it in places like this. Um, but f myself as a podcast listener, for instance, most of the podcasts I listen to, either they're like comfort food for my ears, so they're just um, formats that I like, that are like cozy or entertaining, um, or it's just interviews with with people that I like to listen to or who I think is funny or maybe people who are just really good friends. And so having them bantering in your ears is kind of like hanging out with friends that don't know you. Um, or it's very technical or very like a professional listening that I do. So if I watch a movie or a TV series that I think is amazing, I look up maybe who did the editing. Like if I think the editing was really well done or the camera work or something, I will look up who did all this, the technical jobs, who did the sound design, uh, things like this. And then I will search for interviews with these people. Uh, and so then I will listen to these very technical uh, podcasts about like lighting design or sound editing or uh, stage productions or or video editing or maybe just listen to like conversations with or in interviews with actors and directors and writers that I admire um, but yeah so I thought that maybe my guests or my listeners uh, also come to me with two different kinds of ears and so this is why I initially tried to divide this whole run through to like talk either about like medium and technique uh, or about like themes and topics but honestly in the end I think it's confusing and too much to have this duality and so I think this way is better um, then you all hear the same thing but you can still pick and choose from what you might want to hear more about. And so uh, I hope for those of you who listen, who are not so interested in the more technical aspects, that when we do have these very technical uh, breakdowns of like a computer software coding or or sculptural materials or yeah, you know, these things that you might need to know a little bit about to really understand what is being said. Uh, I hope we're delivering it to you in a very accessible way. That's the attempt. But um, if it's sometimes boring for you or irrelevant, I hope you just like let it go through one ear and out the other uh, and then just like pay less attention during those five, ten minutes. Um, so now maybe we will end today's episode uh, with a very technical uh, run through of how I edit this podcast. Um, so I have edited some sound before, uh, but mostly music and podcasting is a different kind of thing. Uh, first of all, each like type of sound industry have like different industry standards. Um, for how to measure sound and and how it's expected to to compare to other products in the same field. So uh, cinema sound has specific uh, 
decibel standards and expectations uh, for how you need to export or like edit and export things, uh, music, uh, online content. There are all these different fields of sound that each you need to do it in with a specific range or, or standard in mind. And so I found out that podcasting has its whole own uh, way of measuring sound. So it doesn't work with like just peak levels of a decibel. It works with something called LUFS, which is like measuring peaks across time, um, which I guess is because they know that the listener is like w- listening with headphones, mostly directly into their ears. Um, and so it's not just about like how loud is it? It's about, is it loud for a short time or a long time? Uh, how is the dynamic range? Um, because it, it can get more exhausting to listen to in this way. So with podcasting, what I attempt is to try and keep the dynamics pretty steady. Um, and of course I, record everything with my handheld Tascam DR40X recorder. I record everything on location um, with ambient sound. I only use a wind cap or like this dead kitten thing if I'm outside and it's really windy and I need to. Otherwise, um, the microphone units of the recorder are very exposed, so they're quite sensitive to wind and and noise. but I try to respect the ambience of the room. So what you hear is the actual acoustics and the actual background noise and soundscape of the time and place that the recording is in. Uh, which by the way, if you don't listen to this podcast on headphones or with decent speakers, uh, you really should consider doing that. If you listen on your phone speakers or on your laptop speakers, you are not getting the full experience. Uh, you're not actually hearing the places uh, so well. And so this is my main aim when when editing this podcast is to keep it neutral and authentic to respect that the authenticity of this site, uh, but with uh, still uh, a thought to how the listener will have it in their ears directly blasted into their brain for two hours. And so it has to be bearable. So um, too much noise is not good. And and if we move through the space and the level of the recording changes, I try to fix that. If there is um, documentation recordings from like a performance, a concert or something, then the, the sound val- volume or level might be super different. Uh, and so my... My goal when editing is to try and create like this steady experience for you where you can all the time hear what people are saying, whether they are like whispering or shouting, um, that it never becomes like unpleasant in your ears, but that also I don't manipulate the recordings too much. Um, So I will now talk you through uh, my chain of effects. I have this preset chain that I have been tweaking and working with through uh, this whole podcast series. Um, And so by now it's pretty tried and tested um, in collaboration with my recorder and my ears for this. Um, 
So I, I just tweak the effects as needed, but now I know like the chain of effects that I really need. Uh, so I'm gonna try and explain shortly what things do, but uh, you might need to have a little bit of like sound mixing uh, experience to, to fully get what it is I'm saying. Um, any recorder has like uh, some built-in mechanical or electric noise. That is just per default. A machine is not fully silent. So this recorder has like a tiny little background hiss uh, sound, uh, like a little high frequency noise, especially if I have to turn up the volume of it a lot on the recordings, if people are speaking really low. Uh, so the first thing I have in my chain and mind you, uh, an effect rack chain is hierarchical, so um, it's important what order you have the effects in. So the first thing I do is I have a basic uh, denoise effect uh, to cancel out a bit of like ambient noise in the space, uh, wind in the microphone units, and the internal like noise of the machine. But also just to try and like to polish it a little bit so what we are working with is less is cleaner but i keep it super subtle with like a very very low uh, percentage of how much noise it's actually reducing so something like three to seven percent and like usually just three to five um so a super subtle little denoise uh then i have um a surgical uh or no that's not what it's called no, I have like a a very subtle um, EQ an equalizer that that takes this uh, the top off, but in a very subtle curve, and it only removes from like I think it starts curving off at like nine or ten kilos, and then it's like a soft curve, but mostly just removing everything above like eleven or twelve kilohertz in the in the frequency range. So at the very top, the very high pitched hiss. And this is mainly for the internal hiss of the recorder, which you might not be able to hear on the raw recording, but then when I compress the sound and raise the levels and all this, then something like a background hiss can really be quite prevalent sometimes. So those two I begin with to just like kind of neutralize this annoying noise. Um, then I sometimes put a de-esser if I need to. A de-esser removes the S of people's voices. So um, not everyone talks with a lot of S in their um, articulation. And also you don't per default always do it. I sometimes do it a lot and sometimes not. And I don't know what the science be behind my mouth is in that. But um, you can hear it if people do it a lot um, and so it might not be disturbing if it's just like for a few sentences but if it's for a two-hour conversation that people have these really sharp s's it sounds like a whip almost um, and after an hour or something it really starts feeling like someone is stabbing your ear with this uh, old-school horror knife like <coughs> you know that's it's just an S sound, but it can be really sharp. And so, I don't know. 
after a long time, it can really start feeling like getting oral paper cuts in your ears all the time. And then you start like not really listening to what the person is actually saying or not really want to listen to it because uh, they are like whipping you with their S's and it's hurting. So if people are doing a lot of S's, then I will put a de-esser. Um, and if there are multiple people and they are talking in very different uh, frequency range areas, so if there's one really low voice and one really high voice, their essers might not be in the same place. So then I might need to put two de-essers uh, attacking like different frequency areas. Um, but the consequence of all of this removal, like what we are doing with all of this, the denoise uh, and the the his cut for the, the EQ top cut um, and like a de-esser also, what they're essentially doing is that they're removing parts of the sound. They're removing all of these, like a, the denoise is like a flat curve, so it's removing equally on all frequencies if that's usually how I do it. But but a lot of these, like um, the his cut EQ and the DS are, are removing a lot of the top. Uh, and so the sound starts sounding weird if you do that too much. Uh, voices start missing some of their uh, full harmonic range. Um, so if I have put DSers, if that has been necessary, then sometimes I found that it's necessary to compensate for all that subtraction and then to add uh, an EQ that is just just find some uh, EQ preset for like voice enhancement. They are usually uh, lined up to open the top of the voice a bit. So a few times I've had to to add a an equalizer for voice enhancement to open up the top of the voice after removing parts of the top. It's like, it sounds like a lot, but it's very, uh, I'm doing it very gently with very like little. So it's, you know, like a sculptor can chip away at a marble block with like chisels and hammers and stuff or power tools, or they can just like, uh, grind it with like sandpaper or something very gentle. So that's what I'm doing. No chiseling. It's like gentle sculpting. Um, and then now we come to probably like uh, the most essential, most important part of the whole editing work behind this podcast. And I would dare to say most standard talking po podcasts, uh, especially for me since um, when you record with a handheld ambient recorder, then people move a lot. So they move their head away from the recorder. Can you hear now? Now I'm, my head is turned away from the recorder. And so it doesn't sound in the same way as when I'm talking towards the microphone. So if you have a studio set up where people are with headphones and speaking directly into a mic with a pop filter, you have a much more controlled uh, level of recording. Uh, I don't do that. And so it's easier for people to relax, I find, in the space when they're not confined by like microphone setup and, and headphones and everything. 
when they can just move like themselves and and look at me instead of like looking at all this gear um, when they don't have the feeling of being recorded. But it does mean that um, sometimes they speak really low or further away and sometimes they speak much louder. And this is natural. People, they change their volume range quite a lot when talking. Uh, but but for me, even more. So what I do is I have a chain of compressors. Um, a compressor um, decreases the field of uh, peak volume. I guess that's how, like, the most technical way to say it. So uh, it kind of, like, lowers the ceiling and like the floor and the ceiling are squeezed together so like everyone in the room all the sound in the room becomes forced to being more or less the same height instead of being some really short and some really tall so this is like the audio level like the volume level um which means that a compressor can pull sound out from the background into the foreground so that means when people are looking away from the recorder and whispering with my compressors i make it sound like that is still happening very close uh, so that you can still hear what they're saying and also i control that when people are suddenly laughing or shouting or that there is a really loud sound from something in the space or a work or some performance that you don't get a shock in your ears that it you are not like suddenly getting this loud bang um so instead of having one uh compressor to like do all the work which can be a little bit aggressive for for the sound i have a chain of compressors attacking different problems or f with different uh strategies for different reasons um and so um the first one uh, I just attack the peaks. So everything that stands out super loud. Uh, someone suddenly laughing loud, a door slamming, like peak sounds, quick, very loud things that stand out from the rest. And so, of course, like all these um, value levels uh, and thresholds, uh, they depend on the recording. I still need to tweak, tweak it every time. Uh, so every time I do like a lot of listening, a lot of tweaking. Um, and if you record something with a different recorder and you use different audio software, uh, then you will need to find your own levels. But for me, usually my threshold of the peak compressor is uh, minus 6 dB with a ratio of 5 to 1, um, which means it, 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 it's quite aggressive but only for the very loud sounds. And I have a very short attack and kind of short release time uh, so that it just, it's just every time a loud sound pops its head up, its head up it's like a whack-a-mole, then it just like quickly smashes it down. Um, so then now we have like tamed and controlled like all the loudest sounds and uh, they are being kept on a tight leash and then the next compressor is uh, like the workhorse of this chain it's doing the biggest part of the work somehow um, it's kind of making sure that everyone falls into line uh, and that we are having a more homogeneous more 
unison feel of the sound. Um, so everyone stand next to each other, everyone like, you know, fall in order. Um, everyone being uh, sound level peaks uh, and how well they can be heard. Uh, and this one, my levels are usually somewhere between like minus 11 to minus 15 dB, usually around minus 12, minus 13, um, with a ratio of three to one. And a middle, uh, like a little bit slower attack uh, and a little bit slower release than the one pro uh, that the, than the compressor at uh, handling the attack uh, the peak attacks um so this is still like whacking enough that it can be felt but it's doing it more like across the board um so now what we are starting to have is uh, a waveform that looks pretty uh, equal um of course if there are several several different recordings and stuff i will raise the audio manually on the waveform where it needs to um but otherwise if the recording is a really clean sit down one session thing then sometimes this effect rack is like enough i don't need to like automate too much um and then the last compressor, sometimes I've only used two, but usually three. The last one is just, it's the last, you know, you've made like a homemade sausage and it's like way more lumpy than a factory made sausage. And so you want it to be more smooth. So this is the last part of the chain where it's really just gently massaging the sausage to be more smooth and like look more perfect or hear sound more perfect so it really sounds like not only is all the sound like the same height and size but they're also like it's all in the same room um so here my levels are usually something like minus 15 minus 17 db uh with a ratio of like maybe 1.9 to 1 or something which means that it's very little it doesn't actually do very much um, and it has quite a slow attack and release because you don't want it to like start making big arm movements and be really aggressive it's uh, you know at the first compressor was the really aggressive bouncer that like kicks people out on their uh bumps uh, from when they act up in the nightclub and this is the very pedagogic one just like talking sense to you and being a little bit gentle and telling you that you know why you need to leave um, and so with these three now we have like sound that feels the same size and level and, and uh, everything feels present in your ears but however all of this pulling the background to the foreground and all it also means that like n sounds and noises that weren't 
detectable before, they are suddenly also in the foreground of your ears. So now is when I need to listen through and remove things like if people are doing a lot of this, that is super annoying. Uh, and that becomes really clear when you have compressed three times. Um, and so, or a squeaky chair can suddenly feel like a really sharp sound actually every time it squeaks. Things like that, someone coughing, uh, a noise in the room. Uh, I might need to go through and like manually remove parts of the waveform if there are really disturbing elements. But otherwise, I, as you know, I try not to really cut or edit much. Um, and then as part of my, the last, uh, compressor there is like a built-in limiter you can uh, activate in mine and so I usually do that to make sure that I don't uh, go outside the uh, accepted uh, levels of podcasts because the thing is if you have like peaks that are too loud and you upload your podcast to all the apps then their algorithms built in will like whack your peak and it will not do it in the way that sounds good because uh, it doesn't listen to it. So you want to make sure that your levels are within industry standards. And for uh, podcasting, that is uh, a target loudness of minus 16 loofs um, with a max true peak level of minus one. Um, and there is this, f I'm using Adobe Audition, which is not great audio software, but if you're very used to working with Adobe, then the interface is kind of easy to navigate. And if you're not doing fancy sound editing, when it's if it's something like this, that doesn't use a lot of like flashy effects and things, then it's okay. Um, and so there is this nifty little uh, function that is called match loudness setting. And there you can like ask it to, to do this Luft's, uh conversion for you so that you the final product will be within the right uh, podcast level. So that's quite nice. You have to watch out though. Sometimes after doing the match loudness conversion, it clashes with how you've done your compression. So you do need to listen. And then uh, if it sounds weird, you need to adjust um, some of your attack release uh, times in the compressor or um, the the target levels or how it's uh, uh, converting your your loops. There's like a look ahead time and release time that you can adjust there. Whew. Anyway, this was a very technical thing. And I don't know how long I talked about that. I have a feeling like it was very long. My mom asked me recently um, how long time I spend on each episode. Um, and yeah, the truth is, I mean, each recording is, as you know, between one and three hours. And then I usually try to have like an hour extra to arrive and, and wrap up. Um, so each recording time I go to, and I, I usually reserve like two to three hours in the space with the people, um, then I also have to travel to and from places. And sometimes I do multiple visits to do the recording in several sessions or to go to a performance and document it. So sometimes I have to travel to the same place two or three times. That also takes time. Um, if I 
do have like multiple recordings and especially if I have recordings like documented from performances where I want to weave it into the conversation, then suddenly the rec the editing process is a different game. It's much more creative, takes a much longer time. Um, so this chain that I talked you through before, if it's just like talking in the same space, it's pretty quick. I can do it in within like one to three hours usually, uh, depending on how good I record it to start with. If the recording is very clean and it doesn't cap the sound or I don't need to restore or clean anything, then it can be really quick. In the beginning, I was much more like uh, minuscule with how I did it. I listened through a lot, um, but now my my presets are tested and and I have I know my my machines, my tools, but I also know um, the sound of the podcast and the format. So in the beginning, for instance, I would export it and I would put it on my phone and then I would bring like different types of headphones with me into the cityscape. So I would sit in the in the tram or walk in the street and I would try like with shitty headphones, with in-ear headphones, with my good over-ear studio headphones. I would listen on my phone speakers, I would listen on my laptop speakers in different environments to to quality test my uh, episodes before uploading them. But after maybe 10 episodes, then I, I didn't bother this anymore because then I knew my references. Like, you know, when you have done reference listening so many times, you kind of can trust more your studio headphones and you're listening at home. Um, so yeah. Now the quickest I can do is like an hour or an hour and a half of editing, then maybe half an hour on the graphic design and then all of the exporting and uploading is another hour. Um, then I have to write the metadata in the sound file. I have to write the text for the website. I have to prepare and check all the external links for the show notes. Uh, that's a few hours extra, all of those things. Um, but just the editing part, if I'm doing flashy performance documentation and m giving you like an auditory version of a performance piece or something as part of the conversation, then sometimes I spend like 10 hours editing one episode just sound editing. So yeah, at times it's a lot of work to put out an episode a week. Um, but uh, I mean, I think it's worth it. I hope you do too. And, and anyway, that was a very uh, thorough run through of the technical aspects of verbal art. But I mean, maybe you are sitting there and thinking that you also would like to do a podcast and you don't really know how to go about it um, so maybe this was helpful I hope or maybe now you got some words in your vocabulary that you can then google to figure out what they actually mean um, so I think we definitely need to stop here uh, because it's quite long already um, and so yeah thank you for listening uh, I hope you enjoyed this as much as you enjoyed the normal episodes and there will be more episodes coming up I already have several interviews recorded not edited yet but recorded 
And so I guess in February I will start posting normal episodes again. Um, but I will do a few of these sessions where I talk through episodes from the past uh, so that you maybe can go back and listen to something you hadn't otherwise considered listening to. Um, and also for me as a way to digest the work I have already done and kind of like figure out what that is and, and what it should be then in the future. Um, so yeah, until next time. Thanks. Bye. Thank, Thank you, you for listening. listening. Hope, Hope you enjoyed it. it.